Nine minutes it is before 8 p.m. You're tuned in to Metro FM Talk here on the Mighty Metro. It's our wrap of the top business stories, and I'm joined by market analyst uh, Bandila Matandela to take a look at uh, some of the big stories in the marketplace on this Wednesday. Mshagas, good evening to you and welcome. Hi, I'm going to you. Dukho, I'm going to Thank you very much for joining us. Bandile, I want us to start off uh, with the, the SAA story. I mean, I, I've certainly over the last few months or so been asking Abanbaizafunyanwaplemali uh, this uh, over 10 billion rand or so that's needed to, to not only pay severance packages, pay some debt, and also uh, restart the operations, uh, but also it seems, I guess, to get uh, the entity back on its feet. And it seems now that, uh, you know, the National Treasury has said, all of this is going to happen in a fiscally neutral way. Now, that might sound okay, uh, but what it means is that money is going to be taken from other social and economic programs of government in order to be able to uh, assist at SAA. What do you make of this? And I guess, uh, more importantly, some of the misgivings of many of those at the National Treasury. Yeah, um, I think it's the, the SAA topic is quite an interesting one, and I think it's been sort of in, uh, in the media space and amongst... Um, a lot of people for a number of months now. And I think, you know, it, it's, I imagine it's a difficult one, right? Because in one, in, in one hand, you've got the, the, the issue at SCA in terms of if you completely liquidate, um, you've got the issues of employment, you've got unions that are going to be in your case. But at the same time, mm-hmm. the reality is um, SCA is not comfortable and it's not working, you know, and how long you continue uh, bailing it out because it's one thing giving the 10 billion rand that's needed now, but if you're talking about a new um, airline that you're going to be bringing in as government, whether it's with a private partner, you're still going to be required to put some funding in. Right? Mm-hmm. It's not going to, it's not like it's going to be once of 10.4 billion and things are, um, are looking very well from that side. But I think it's a very difficult one. For me, I, you know, um, at some point, you're going to have to make some tough decisions. You know, um, do you completely privatize? Do you get a, a partner that um, wants mm. to come in as an investor and, you, and let them take over? I mean, Ethiopian Airways, of course, has been touted as one of those that are interested. You know, or, or do you continue funding it? If you continue funding it, then you have to be realistic. You know, you can't say it's ten point four billion miles off. Then you need to do the, the necessary projections and sure, know what, sure. at what point are you going to inject what, and then really determine if the fiscal is able to carry that. And if not, then we have to make tough decisions. Mm, and I, I mean, I definitely agree with you, Abu Bandila, that uh, one of the tough decisions is also, I guess, uh, existential one, which is, do you still want to run the airline as a government? Because if you do, then you're going to have to capitalize the thing. I mean, just like yeah. we capital- recapitalized the land bank a few days ago. Uh, and I guess uh, in a tough economic environment, in a fiscal environment, it becomes that balance between, you know, do you build a school on the one hand or do you capitalize some of the SOEs uh, where... Yeah. A lot has happened, uh, and I guess it's uh, certainly no doubt a difficult choice. But talking about many of the SOEs, I mean, uh, many of them found themselves in the throes of what we now call state capture, uh, and uh, which also extended to many government departments. And one of those was the Department of Water and Sanitation, which uh, took out some licenses with uh, uh, SAP and uh, SAP there, that uh, software company. And uh, some of the executives there coming out now and starting to sing and suggesting that it was common practice to pay these very corrupt commissions uh, across not only the South African operations, but even globally. Yeah, I mean, I think that one is an, an interesting one again as well, Ayabonga. I think, you know, it, it, it's again the conversation that always goes on with when uh, corporate companies do uh, business with government. And it's mm-hmm. around this business of 
um, having people that sort of are going to open certain doors for you within government. In corporate, um, I think it happens more often than not where certain people who hold certain relationships are able to structure certain deals and facilitate certain conversations. Mm. Of course, it becomes a bit difficult, a bit tricky now when you involve government because this is taxpayers' money and it has to get level of accountability and transparency. You know, so um, some of the executives are coming out, coming out now uh, and they are um, disclosing some of the things that have happened at SAP and um, it is, you know, it's, it's quite interesting what's coming out. But for me, you know, it seems like, again, we we having all of these things come out, we keep having these conversations about all of the things that happened, but there seems to be no accountability and there's no one that we're seeing actually uh, being held accountable for these things. So, I don't know, is it one of those, again, where people are going to come out, going to hear more, going to get shocked, but nothing happens? You know, so for me, it's all about, okay, once we all know these things, once the SIU has actually investigated, are there going to be names, are there going to be people that are held mm. accountable? And it's quite interesting. I mean, the accountability often happens in, in a wide array of ways. I mean, you, you saw KPMG coming out over the last day or so saying they want to pay reparations for uh, yeah. some of the people who were traumatized by their reported SARS and all manner of other things. So uh, there's the hard accountability, which you know means people in orange overalls. Um, and I yeah. guess within that spectrum, there's also people who are saying, hey, Sanglanglaz, are we coming forward? Are we willing uh, to uh, provide some reparations here. And the big question is, is that enough for, I guess, the, the scale of the impact of some of the looting that has happened? But let's shift from that story and take a look at uh, the story of one of the owners of uh, the likes of Spur. They also had a stake in Burger King at some point uh, and uh, also an investor in Sun Slots, which is uh, uh, sort of the, uh, I guess, uh, the gambling and uh, the hospitality side of things. And that's Grand Parade Investments. Now, uh, it seems they've fallen on some tough times on the back of I guess many of their operations being unable to open during uh, the hard lockdown that we saw over the last few months or so. Yeah, I think probably expected on that front, because I mean, the lockdown had quite extensive implications, particularly on the sort of leisure uh, sector and uh, Grand Parade would fall quite, uh, on the, uh, quite at the center of that. So I think with people locked down, it's the economy literally shut down. There was nothing they could do. So obviously, uh, revenue and uh, would would have been impacted. So for me, it's not really surprising uh, coming in from from, from them. Um, but it would be interesting to see, you know, what what happens from there with, um, with the lockdown sort of being eased, whether or not they would be able to recover some of that. But I think it's not a not a surprising um, story that's coming through for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, certainly, I guess one of those stories uh, of a company that has tried to dispose of some of their businesses in the last financial year or so. We know they've sold yeah. that stake in Burger King, uh, which, um, I mean, like like many of the other businesses that have been licensed from the United States, probably not really, uh, I guess, uh, being a firm favorite with South African consumers. Yeah, I think it's probably, again, maybe like the question around when the global companies expand into certain markets whether or testing out whether what applied in a certain market is going to apply, uh, you know, um, uh, in the same way in, in, in this market. So I think, uh, I think again, MNCs, you know, often struggle with this with Africa because they come in, they've got a proven model from a global perspective, and sometimes we don't take to it in, 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 in the African context. So I think, uh, again, you know, for me, the, the, the Burger King concept um, uh, made sense at the time, but really failed to take off. So them disposing of that um, that that state made sense, but again, you know, it, it's very difficult for them because of the nature of the businesses that they they, they tend to invest. In. 
um, with, with leisure and gaming, it, mm. it, it really was very difficult for them to, to not show the effects of lockdown because I think those are specifically companies that really were, were, were hard hit because even as we began to open the lockdown, the, the last that uh, really came through because of the nature and uh, not deemed essential services. So uh, mm. really, really, uh, um, for me, I think um, expected um, sort of um, impact on, on, on their headline losses. But again, yeah. it will be a matter of now how do they recover going forward. Again, I mean, I think with the economy taking a knock, they will still feel some of those impacts, although we, we might maybe have seen the last of the lockdown, depending on what happens with, from a government point of view. But I think they will continue to feel some of these effects and it will, it will take some very um, smart leadership there to see how they actually get, get through the phase. Mm-hmm. Certainly going to watch uh, some of the uh, happenings there quite closely because uh, I guess uh, we've seen many people who find themselves in a difficult and a tough operating environment. I mean, the likes of uh, City Lodge and others are going to their shareholders uh, asking for more capital uh, by way of rights offers. So uh, we certainly will see uh, some of uh, uh, the recovery measures that are going to be instituted there as the economy reopens uh, coming into effect. Now, I'm always quite interested in this particular company. I mean, cash build. Uh, sort of a critical part there, buildings material group, uh, critical player, I guess, in any environment where we think there's going to be a resurgence of construction. We've also seen them acquiring uh, the building company from uh, uh, the Pepco Group, and uh, that's a stable that has the likes of Timber City, Buildware, Tile Toria, and many other businesses, not only just in South Africa, but in the region as well. What do you make of this play here by uh, Value Capital Partners? Uh, certainly a group that always takes a minority stake, but is a very engaged shareholder. Uh, they've upped their stake now to 5.28%, or they've acquired a 5.28% stake. And uh, it seems now that uh, this places them uh, in the driving seat, um, not necessarily from a shareholding perspective, but in the driving seat in line with their strategy to, to try and, I guess, leverage some value here from cash build and uh, some of its expansion. Yeah, I, mean, I think for me the investment would make sense, and and, and for me what 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 would make it make sense at the moment is um, cash flow acquisition of the building company because I mean that will almost have an immediate impact on the revenue. I mean before this acquisition, for me cash flow was you know not having its best years, and it seemed like it's seen its best years. But with this acquisition, it really brings them back into the game. So for me, from from a VCP point of view, you know it would make sense. Um, and I'm looking at their investment um, style, you know, um, if they're able to get in the, um, get involved in some of the operations, shift a few things up, um, you know, they've got access now to a number of brands through this acquisition, and hopefully they'll be able to get some value back from that um, investment. So for me, an investment does make sense, and um, I think only makes sense now because of the acquisition of um, um, into the building company. Mm. And, and when you look, I mean, at uh, a player like Cashbuild, in the context of where we are, I mean, uh, I think a lot of us might think the construction sector is in the doldrums, but you go to any sort of parts of rural South Africa uh, and you see massive houses coming up uh, yeah. in sort of every single corner. Uh, this, this acquisition of the building company also gives them presence, I guess, in the coastal regions. It also gives them some access to distribution capability and wholesaling capability as well. How important is that going to be in an environment where, uh, I guess, in the interim, some of the margins are going to be uh, rather challenged? 
You know, I think I think it's extremely uh, important, right? Because the more control you have of the value chain and the supply chain, mm. then the more you're able to collect the margins. So, so I think from the margin point of view, it definitely makes sense. And I mean, I think this acquisition more than also um, gives it gives them a play in terms of geographical reach and expansion on that front. I think it also gives them access to a certain market that you you alluded to earlier on when you mentioned that what we're seeing in the rural DNK rural Zimbabwe um, rural in, in most of rural South Africa is all of the structures that are coming up with people going back home to build. And I think there's sort of this new sector, well, maybe not new, but this growing sector within the construction and the hardware space where uh, there's the home builders. You know, I think historically mm. we've, all, we've all looked at these big projects and the infrastructure projects, the mega projects, and I think those are beginning to die out. And you, as, you, as you can see, some of the big construction firms are going into business rescue. But I think there's, there's sort of a reemergence of this home um, uh, customer, home building customer, and I think this acquisition really gives them a pay at that point because you know if you look at some of the brands under the building companies, the Timber City, the Builders, they really play right at that at in those particular spaces. So I think it gives them access to to a whole new market um, uh, from because cash flow has historically been sort of focused on uh, the, uh, focusing on the larger mega mega projects. Mandile, mm, mm. we'll have to leave it there, my brother. A real pleasure catching up with you, and uh, thank you very much for taking time out to speak to us. Thank you very much, Adonga, and uh, thank you for, for having me this evening. Awesome stuff. Bandile Matandela, market analyst, helping us there to take stock of the big stories in the world of business. Let's take a brief break now. When we come back, uh, we try and make sense, I guess, of uh, some of the demonstrations that were happening earlier on uh, today. We're also going to uh, set our sights to the United States, where uh, it seems Beijing is saying to Washington that uh, what is happening with ByteDance and TikTok amounts to extortion. And Yamgela uh, Spengane, tech researcher, is going to tell us all about that. Stay tuned.